And we're like, man, you know, that's just the gospel is the gospel. The gospel's in the Old Testament and the gospel's in the New Testament. It's just the gospel. You know, Jesus, God didn't get saved and get changed. You know, he's not a bad God in the Old Testament, and all of a sudden he got to be a good God in the, in the New Testament. He straightened out his ways. Uh, you know, he, he, that's not who he is. And what Zach does is he shows us how God designed worship in the tabernacle, what all that stuff means, and how that applies to Jesus. One of them was, uh, just to give you an example, one of them was, you know, there was a, there was a bowl uh, 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 and you, you, you washed your hand. The priests washed their hands in the bowl before they entered because they needed to be clean. You know, they, 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 they cleansed themselves. And it was the symbolic of baptism, you know, where you're cleansed of all your sins and so on and so forth. But there's this act of worship that the priests do. And he refers to that and, and likens it to Jesus when, when he comes to Peter and starts washing their feet. You know, the day that they took communion, you know, the day that he initiated communion, he's washing the Lord's feet. And, and, and Peter says, you're not washing me. And, and, and Jesus says, well, if I don't wash you, you can't have anything to do with me. And then, and then Peter again, as he normally does, said, well, then just wash me all over. And Jesus says, you don't need to be washed all over. You're already clean. You only need to wash those parts that got dirty. And, the, and how the, the cleansing is this, this, this preparation, this coming to God prepared and humble before him, you know, with, with a repentant, humble heart that, that, uh, that, that cleanses you of all around you. Spring in yourself and, 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 and your heart to the place where you say, Lord Jesus, thank you for the continuing of, of your forgiveness of all my sin. And again, I come before you and I humble myself before you and I say, Lord, I just want to be like you. Help, help me follow your way. And uh, it's just a beautiful picture of that. I don't know about you, but in these last weeks, in these last months even, uh, the Lord is really just bringing me back to a place in worship that, that, that kind of back to the beginning, you know, we sing a song that says, come back to the beginning, you know, and uh, kind of felt that way. How many would say you're a work in progress when it comes to understanding how God wants you to worship? Would you, would you say you're a work in progress? I'm a work in progress. You know, I've been a work in progress when it comes to worship. Let me, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I want you to hear my heart today and what I feel like the Lord's uh, going to say in the next maybe three weeks about, about worship as we talk about worship is how, what, what is God's desire for us when it comes to worship? What does it look like? And, and you know, we, we come from all kinds of different traditions. And, um, you know, personally, I come from a real Southern traditional church. And you, you never raised your hand. You never clapped. You certainly didn't make any noise. And if you made noise, all you got was pinched. <laughs> I got pinched a lot when I was a kid. I bet y'all can't imagine that. But you know, it was just, it was very, it was, um, it was very traditional. That's the way I can put it. Very traditional. And all of us come from, from different backgrounds. There are some backgrounds you don't know musical instruments are allowed, you know. So, so only, you know, only singing. Um, and, you know, some have uh, very, very uh, uh, 
harsh opinions on electric guitars in church or, or maybe drums or, you know, there's all kinds of thoughts about, about how to worship God. Traditions of men, really. <clears throat> and just recently, <clears throat> just to let you know that I'm still progressing and I, and I hope to continue to progress. And, and today's message is to say, hey, let's progress together. But I was in uh, the office with Michael. He says it was five years ago. It feels like six months ago to me. But about five years ago, we were in. We were watching a, uh, some, some worship set on the computer. He was watching it. I came in, and I started watching it, you know. And, and the worship leader asked the congregation to begin singing in the Spirit. And so the congregation began singing in the spirit, right, right there together, and just, and just uh, uh, this, this atmosphere of praise just began to, to lift up on a computer. How does that happen? So we're sitting in the office, and the spirit of God comes on us. We start crying. Now you have to understand that coming from a seeker-sensitive background, tradition which is what I come out of to some degree, there was a point in that, in that walk that we actually said, hey, listen, we're not going to pray or sing in the Spirit, especially in a microphone. There was a time to, because it might offend somebody. And so, and so I began to do ministry from that point of view. And, and, and you may have heard some things similar to that. But, but I was in this office, and I was watching this on, on, online, and, and the Spirit of God was coming upon me, and I was weeping before the Lord, and He started dealing with my heart. And, and I was like, wow, God, God, you like this. You ever been surprised by God? You know, I can formulate all these opinions. I can listen to all these preachers, these naysayers. Now, you're not supposed to do this. Everything's supposed to be decent in an order. But what really matters is whether the presence of the Lord is on something or not. And when the presence of the Lord is on it, you go, oh, God, you like this. You're not supposed to. Don't you know? <laughs> Brother so-and-so taught me that wasn't good. And so, coming from a traditional background, which many of you have, might have come, I, I, I didn't know how to worship. I, I just didn't. I mean, all I knew is what I grew up with. And, and I had several experiences that I want to talk to you about. This is what I did first service. I think I'm going to do it again. I several experiences that changed. The first one, and, and if you've heard these stories, you know, Act like you care and are very interested. <laughs> but, but uh, and I know I'm going to tell stuff that you hadn't heard because I'm, I'm, I'm going get real vulnerable this morning with you because, because I want you to get vulnerable before God. And, uh, and so, so I had a buddy of mine who invited me to church and, 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 you know, I grew up in churches, so I think I'm saved, and but I'm but I'm but I'm not, because I really, I'm not trying to adhere to God's policies at all. I mean, I believe in the God that my parents talked about, and I acknowledge that He existed. He just wasn't Lord of my life. I wasn't doing anything to follow Him. 
And so he invites me to church. I go to church. And my first worshiping experience was I go into this place, and I can remember saying to God, you know, this is prayer, so, uh, you know, a sinner can pray. God, if they bring out snakes, I'm out of this place. I'm telling you that right now. Now, y'all might be laughing about that. There are people who watch you on video. They think of the same thing about Eastside. God, if they bring out snakes in that church. Because <laughs> you guys are crazy. I mean, the temperature every Sunday goes up 10 degrees this service. But all the dads said, I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for work. Y'all can clap and respond. Thank you for, for worshiping God with all your heart. But I go into this place, man, and, and it's a funny place because it's a traditional church too. It's a Pentecostal traditional church. Anybody from that background? It was, it was great. It was small. Then, you know, had about half the people that are in this room were in that room. They only did one service, you know. They came in and they, and they put their Bibles in their chairs and they walked to the choir. So everybody, there was nobody in the seats. Everybody was in the choir. And the choir was singing to their Bibles. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of environment. It was kind of funny. You know, I was like, I'm the only one sitting there, you know. And I was like, oh, gosh, y'all all singing to me? No, there was a few of us. But it was kind of like that, maybe half. So they're all in the choir and they're singing the choir. And they're doing a song, you know. And... Uh, and, you know, traditional song, I never heard it before. It had a country train because it was a Church of God kind of thing. So it had to have some kind of southern gospel kind of twang thing to it. And I never heard that in my life. But I was in there, you know. And I was listening. And I was enjoying it. It was cool. It was nice. And my buddy was up there leading. And that was nice, you know. But then this guy, his name was Bill. Bill was in the choir. And Bill was a house uh, parent for a, a, uh, an orphanage. He had given up his life so that he could be the parent of kids whose parents didn't want them. He didn't have any money. He didn't have any fame. He, he was just Bill. And Bill was in the choir, and they'd be singing that song, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Bill would raise his hand, and he'd do it like this. I'm going to do it like Bill did. Hallelujah! <laughs> Everybody's still singing, and Bill's singing. Hallelujah! The Spirit of the Lord came on me, so it was unbelievable. Because I had never seen a man that didn't care what somebody else thought about their worship. I never experienced it. The Spirit of God came on me, and then they did a, then they did a choir, a special music song, The Spirit of God Came On Me, to such a degree that my buddy, at the, in the, they, they made an altar call. He had to carry me like a fireman to the altar. I gave myself heart to the Lord. And got filled with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> it came out of a man who didn't care what people thought about worship. And worship God the way God wanted to be worshipped. And so that got me on a journey. And that journey was this. That journey was, what does God say about worship? 
You know, I don't care what the preacher says. You know, so many of us are influenced by tradition, especially today. I mean, we could go online. We could watch all these popular mega churches, and they do worship. You know, we go watch them do, oh, that's how you do worship. No, that's how you get popular. There's a lot of people there who say, got to be right. Well, just wait 10 years, and it'll change. Unless it looks like biblical worship, because it'll either it'll die if it's not if it's not what God asked for. And and what I discovered is there is a pathway in the Bible. The Bible is a map of God's character, His nature, and His intentions for us. And he he's got this thing in here that he that he that he he talks about all the time, and he actually designed the temple to look like a place of worship that that brought this this atmosphere, that brought the presence, that brought the hand of God on the life of the believer. You know, there, there's a uh, I heard Jack Hayward say one time. He said, you know, the my biggest fear is that God would take His hand off me. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not saved. This means that you're not in the flow of the will of God, that you're not doing His perfect will because you're not in obedience with His Word. You hadn't aligned yourself with Him. And so there's never a time that I don't want to be aligned with the Word of God. There's a, there's a, there's a positioning of yourself with the Word. Well, the same is true for worship. God says, I want you to worship me like this. And he gives us just tons of ways that he wants us to worship him. And so I, I begin to get on this discovery of, of, of what he said. And so what I would do, how many of you know who Jimmy Swaggart was? How many? I mean, is he, he's still living, right? He's still preaching. I had a Jimmy Swagger Bible. This is this is before we knew he was chasing hookers around the town. This is before we knew that. He got caught, right? Didn't he get caught? And he kind of fell. Now he's now he's good with God. I'm pretty sure that could be Kate. David did it. A lot of us had done stupid stuff and got back right with God, right? But I used to carry his Bible. What I, what I, why I say it that way so that you won't go judging me is because, <laughs> it's because God uses people that are, that are messed up. And I used to carry a Jimmy Swaggart Bible with the Proverbs and the Psalms and the New Testament in my back pocket. And what I would do is I would go to the mountain. And I would begin to pursue the Lord. Brittany, you were little, and I was, I, I didn't, you know, I was growing up as a, as a believer. I know how to worship God. And I've seen this, and I, and I had encountered God in, a, in an incredible way. And I was like, what, what do you do? And I started reading the Bible, and I realized that the church didn't look much like what God was asking for of the church. And I was like, what, what do I do? Well, the only thing I knew to do was to go get God. And see, that's what I want you to do. I want you to understand that you can't live your Christianity through somebody else. You can't watch the internet and watch preachers and watch worship and that be enough for you. You've got to go learn to understand what God's asking of you. He says, I'm a God who knows the thoughts and the intents of your heart. And he wants to get to know you. He wants you to, wants you to worship him the way he wants to be worshipped. So I'd go up to the mountains. And I'd go to the mountains because I just wanted to be alone with God. And I didn't want anybody to hear me sing. 
<laughs> I sing terrible. Not as bad as you, but I sing terrible. I'm kidding. But sometimes we don't worship God the way we want because we're embarrassed. We, we let something get in our way of not worshiping the way God asks us to because we're prideful and we're insecure. But so I would go away and I could, I'd get on a mountain trail. I went to the, I used to go to the, uh, uh, the uh, Pigeon River Trail on the, in Pisgah National Forest all the time off of Highway 11. It was an amazing place. I could go down that, I'd walk out in the middle of, down, down the road, or I'd go to this place uh, they used to do weddings all the time. I'd be up there by myself and I could sing as loud as I wanted to sing and nobody could hear me. I could pray in tongues as loud as I wanted to, and nobody could hear me. I could pray in the understanding as loud as I wanted to, and nobody could hear me. I could pray about anything I wanted to and not be exposed. You know, you're not hiding anything. You don't pray anything God goes, oh, man, I didn't know that. <laughs> we act like we're hiding stuff from God, and it's not true. And so I, I could do anything. And God taught me that he met me in those places. And he taught me how to worship me and fill me over and over again. I met the presence of the Lord like crazy in those moments. I began, began to understand that. So I had all those types of encounters on a, uh, on, on a large scale. But there's one particular time I went to the Cascade Mountains. How many of you know where the Cascades is? Uh, upstate Washington State. If you hadn't ever been there, put it on your, uh, what do you call that, your bucket list. I mean, uh, there's snow on the mountains in August. I mean, it's crazy beautiful. <clears throat> you know, you got to watch out for bears. I tell you what you got to watch out for <laughs> is porcupines. <laughs> Y'all ever seen a porcupine? <laughs> porcupines are mean-looking creatures. I saw a porcupine. This doesn't have nothing to do with the sermon, <laughs> but it's really good information. Porcupines have these spikes on them that are about that big, and they stick you in self-defense, and they got a little poison in the end of them. That will hurt you. But let me tell you, anybody want to touch a porcupine? No, you don't want to. So you're not even worried about those things because you're not going to ever touch a porcupine. But that wasn't what I was scared of. You know what I was scared of? I, I, that thing was chewing on my backpack strap, and I opened my tent, and there was about a 90-pound porcupine, biggest thing I've ever seen. And he looked at me, and his teeth looked like they were the size of a Labrador retriever. And I was like, oh, my goodness, look at the teeth on that thing. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And then I saw his claws, and they were as long as my fingers. And I said, this thing, it kill anything. You don't want to touch a porcupine, I can tell you that. So if you go home this week, you can tell everybody that what you learned in church. <laughs> Don't mess with a porcupine. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But I was in the Cascades. Yeah, that's where I was. And I went, and we, we hiked 72 miles in 10 days with an 80-pound pack on my back. I had flown into Willow Creek. And this is what's really cool. I'd flown into Willow Creek, which is the largest seeker-sensitive church in, in the country. It was back in the 90s, and there weren't many big mega churches in, in America, and it was one of them. 28,000 people every weekend. 
And so I was there, and I was at a conference, and I flew from there to Seattle. Buddy of mine was a lawyer. He paid for my ticket. I, I fly into Seattle, meet them out there, start, start going on this trip. And I go, I go at 11 o'clock, I mean 11 miles the first day to the top of the mountain. What's really neat, get to the top of the mountain, and you think, oh, man, we climbed 11 miles uphill. I think we, I think we went like 1,000 feet. I mean, it was like, ooh, we're glad you're at the top. When the next morning I walk and I walked out, I kind of walked this level place and it busted out of the big old oak, uh, trees and, and I busted into this valley that had this spring run through it. Flowers were everywhere. And there was a peak that rose about 3,000 feet standing right in front of me. I wasn't anywhere close to the top of the hill. It was absolutely amazingly beautiful. But that next morning I got up, my, I, I, I said, you know, I was an early riser. You know, those guys must have been musicians. They, they got up first thing in the morning about 11.30. <laughs> so I decided I was going to get up about 6 o'clock. I was going to get up about 6. I was going to bust on out of there because you had to register with the park ranger to say we're going to be here and then we're going to you know, spend a night here the next day. And it might be 10, 11 miles away, whatever it might be. And so I was just going to meet them at the next shelter. Well, I'm walking down this road, and I got this pack on my back, and, you know, I'm walking, and I'm praying, and I'm worshiping God. You know, I can't sing a lick, but I'm willing to worship God. He, he wants us to sing new songs. He wants us to sing with thanksgiving in our heart. He wants you to sing to Him. He doesn't want you to sing with the radio. He does, but that's not enough for Him. He wants to hear what's in you. He wants it to come out of you. He wants you, he wants you to express your love for him. And you have to, you have to, you have to want to progress in this. And there's nothing wrong with Christian radio, but, but it makes you lame when it comes to worship. Because he wants to hear what you have to say. Your voice is important. Why do you thank God? Why do you love the Lord? So I'm walking down this trail. I'm just telling the Lord why I love him. What, what's his greatness and goodness? And I'm praying in the spirit. I'm singing in the spirit. I'm singing in the understanding. I'm praying about everything, including things you don't want people to know. Which you all got. So don't look at the preacher and say, I can't believe the preacher said that. You got them too. Praying about stuff, and and the spirit of God came on me so strong it it put me on the ground. I've got this eighty pound pack on my back, and I'm on the ground, and I just rolled over, rolled the pack off, and the Lord said, "You take off your shoes, you're on holy ground." And I thought to myself, "That's really cliche." <laughs> you know, the it's a, you know anybody ever go? Is that the Lord? Is that just me thinking? Yeah. You, you ever done that? Well, the power of God knocked me on the ground, so that got me to think this might be God. And so I, I began to worship him in that spot, and his spirit came upon me and cleansed me of all unrighteousness again. It reminds me of what Jesus did with Peter. He just cleaned the, th I was clean, but he just cleaned away the things that weren't clean. I've been praying about him all day, been praying in the spirit, been uh, you know, bringing kingdom down, and God does that. It taught me so much about the pursuit of God in worship and worshiping in the way He asked me to. Not just the other day, and I got one. I got two more stories. I never got to my message first service either, because I I just want you to hear hear, hear some of this stuff. 
the, just the other, other week. I'm going through something right now. The Lord's saying, go back to, the, to what you used to know. Get back to me the way you used to worship. I'm going, Lord, I, 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 Lord I, I, forgive me. You know, I want to get back to. The things that I know can help me become what you want me to become. You know, sometimes you get too big for your britches in your walk with God. You think you know too much or you've done it too often or things are too familiar, but God says, hey, I got so much I want to teach you. I got so much I want to show you. You just got to get back to the basics. So I had a, a friend who was having a hard time worshiping because of a decision they had made. They felt like it had separated them from God and somehow disqualified them. And Satan had put shame on them and, 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 and just accused them of all kind of stuff that, that, that he likes to do. Anybody ever experienced that before? And the person was just having a hard time uh, entering into worship. And, and the Lord said, just help them. And so I, all I did was initiate the process, and I, and I watched them begin to enter into worship without the radio, without anything, just enter into worship. And the Spirit of God comes upon them, and there's, and there's weeping and cleansing and immediate restoration to where God wants them to be. Now listen, it's, it's learning how to worship the Lord in the tough times that bring us to a place of actually being able to follow God. Yeah, let, let me give you an example. Michael Wallace. How many think Michael Wallace is a pretty decent worship leader? Would you, you, say, you say that? He's, he's decent. You know, we, we're we're going to keep him. But he's not a good worship leader because he's talented. He's a good worship leader because he's gone through hell and learned how to fight his way to the kingdom of God. Therefore, because he's learned how to fight his way from hellish forces attacking him into the kingdom, he can lead us in the same. Right? Education, skill, he's got to have those. But what qualifies him as a worship leader is the maturity of fighting through when things are hard or hell comes at you. And that's what worship has taught me. I, I can remember an encounter I had. I'm, I'm going to share some personal stuff here, and you're going to think I'm nuts. Uh, so, I, uh, so I pray that you keep coming to Eastside because I believe we can pursue the Lord together anyway because I'm about to reveal some crazy stuff to you. It's just it's personal, but it's good. And it's going to help you, I think, or I wouldn't say it. I, uh, I was on staff at a church in Charleston. And, and Liz was, was struggling with uh, some choices and decisions. And, and um, And me being the great husband that I was, I was trying to tell her to gird up your loins <laughs> and get your life right back in order. I was trying to kick her in the butt and, could you say that in church, and, and make her better. Guys, let me just tell you, usually all that's going to get you is a black eye. <laughs> it probably is not going to work, so that's not spiritual counsel. Didn't work for me. It's not going to work for you. 
And the truth of the matter is the Lord said, why don't you just shut up and quit worrying about trying to fix her and start worrying about trying to fix yourself. The Lord ever said that to you? <laughs> See, if you'll fix yourself, then, then, then that'll open the door for me to come in, and then I might be able to fix the rest. So you just, you just begin to... So, so I did. I had one day I came home from church, and maybe you've heard this story, but I'm going to tell you some parts of this story you never heard if you've been here a long time. I came home. I went home early, in the middle of the day because I was a pastor. I went home to pray. Liz is at work. I go home and I, and I start praying, and I'm praying in the Spirit, and I'm worshiping. I'm sitting in a chair, and I'm worshiping. The Spirit of the Lord's coming on strong. The presence of God's in the house. And the Lord said, I want you to anoint yourself with oil. Anybody ever seen the apostle, that movie where he baptizes himself? kind of feels like that. It's kind of weird. Anyway, I'm about to tell you a weird story. He says, I want you to anoint yourself with oil. And I said, sure. So every charismatic has a little bit of oil in their pocket, you know. <laughs> he said, no, 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 no. I said, I want you to go get a bottle. I was like, a bottle? He says, yeah. I said, I don't know where a bottle is. We probably had a bottle in the kitchen, but I didn't know where it was because it was in the kitchen. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> where in the world? Anyway, so so I said, that's a good excuse, isn't it? You want to do what, Lord? I want you to get a big bottle, and I want you to anoint yourself with oil. I don't know. I don't know where no oil is, Lord. I mean, I ain't got any oil. Food lion does. <laughs> All right, so I go to Food Line. I get this big bottle of olive oil. And I was just going to, I don't know, you know, I was just going to. So I get in and I get worship. He says, I want you to pour it over your head. And I'm like, really? Yeah, pour it over your head. So I get in the shower. And I pour this oil over my head. And the Spirit of the Lord just came upon me. And the forgiveness and the power of God to, to push me to a place that I've never been was absolutely amazing. I was like, oh my goodness. And I just had, you know, I, now when I'm talking about this worship experience, we're talking, I mean, I'm two hours in now, maybe three. So I didn't wash the anointing off. I just washed the oil off. And, and then the Lord says, I want you to go outside. And I want you to walk around your house. I want you to pray. I want you to pray on the doors. I want you to pray on the windows. Every entry point, anywhere hellish forces can come in, you pray. And I prayed over that house. I prayed over the doors. I prayed over the doorposts, the windows, every room in the house. And Lord said, go outside and walk the property line. So I'm outside walking the property line, praying. I'm praying in the Spirit and praying out loud. And the Lord says, pray louder. So I said, okay. So Lord, I just pray for my wife. No, louder. So, Lord, I just pray for my life. No louder. So, so Lord, I just pray for my Now, you ought to understand, I'm in a neighborhood in Mount Perfect. I mean, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. <laughs> louder. And I heard the Lord say, if you're ashamed of me among men, I'll be ashamed of you of the kingdom. Now, now, it's the Lord. What, the, what was the Lord doing? He was saying, do not be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed to be caught or heard praying to me. It's, a, it's an incredible principle. Don't, don't, don't 
worry about what man thinks. You remember the original lesson I got from Bill? I'm in ministry and he's still trying to teach me the same lesson. You with me? So I start praying real loud in the spirit, in the understanding, singing. And you know my loud is different than everybody else's loud. Y'all, y'all do realize that, right? So, so you're, you're hearing it two neighborhoods over most likely. I mean, it's, it's like loud. And I did that for a good 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes. Just walking around my yard. My neighbors thought I was absolutely nuts, but I really didn't care. When I got done with that prayer session, which was probably four hours, Liz comes home at work at 5 o'clock or whatever day it was. Now, what Liz was doing was she was, she was suffering with depression for several months, deep, dark depression. And I had asked her, I had tried to kick her in the in the backside and say, get your act together. I had, I had saying, I had quoted script. I'd done all kind of stuff, guys. It was totally ridiculous, just like you do. And the Lord wanted to teach me so much that he allowed my wife to go through what she went through just so I could learn something. Because after I did all that and after I prayed all those prayers and after I did those things, she comes home from work and for the first time in months, she was ready to be prayed for. It was kind of amazing that all this happened and all this cleansing happened in me. And my wife come home and says, would you pray for me? And I got anointing oil. Not what I had left for food line. I didn't have none. This was the charismatic anointing oil. And we went into the kitchen, and I, and, I, and I touched her head, and I began to pray the prayer of the Spirit over her, and we collapsed in the kitchen floor in the power of the Holy Spirit. He delivered her of depression immediately. And guys, we're sitting here saying, well, my, you know, Liz needed to learn the lesson. No, Liz didn't need to learn the lesson. The pastor needed to learn how to worship so that the presence of God could be ushered into the house. I never want the hand of God to leave me. I want the power of God to operate in my life at all times. The only way I've got sinuses, y'all, I'm so sorry, and I'm crying, so. But the only way to do that is to give God a blank sheet of paper and to rewrite what he wants worship to look like for me. And it will be in the map. He wants to examine my he wants me to examine my traditions and adopt the ones of the word. He wants me to discover the Father's design for worship. Because his design only comes through humility. His design is love and not duty. His design comes with expectation and dependence upon him. His design is obedience and fear of the Lord. And when we come to God like that, 
we're in a place where he can then put his hand on us and the power and the kingdom of God can then begin to move in our circumstances and situations. But he's saying to you and me, come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Come my way. Come in my design, and I'll bring healing. I'm saying all this, and I'm being transparent with you like this, so, so that you can begin to pursue God your own way. Not, not, not the way you want to, the way he says to, but your own personal in other words, my story is only meant to encourage you to create your own story. What's your story? What's your story of progression in worship? How has God taught you about his nature and his kingdom through your worship experiences? Because you humbled yourself before God. Because you were passionate and you, you had such a need for God's hand to be upon you that you were willing to do anything that he asked to receive what he has for you. That's what the Lord's after. He's after your heart. He wants you to love him. He wants you to pursue him the way he designed it. So, in the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about that. Now, worship, not only corporate worship, but how to worship in family, how to worship at work, what that looks like. What's God's design for that? We're going to just talk about worship for the next three weeks, but th th this, is this is what I want you to get. You, you say, I, but pastor, I'm just not comfortable I just want to go to the place that I'm comfortable. Don't expect to meet the Lord there. God didn't come to make you comfortable. He came to make you holy. Yeah? And so, if I had time, which I don't, we would talk about the design. But you're going to have to come back next week and see what God says about how to worship him, what his desires are, how to be free in what he's created you and called you to do. And so this morning, as we stand, let's stand together. Why don't you lay hands on somebody beside you? Christine, you can come. While she's coming, let me again say the book that I recommend is How to Worship a King by Zach Neese. You can get that on I, iBook as well for you cool people or for you not so cool people. It's still in print. You can get that on Amazon. It's, it's an incredible, the whole staff is reading it currently. It would be great for you to uh, read it as well. Father, I just pray right now that everybody in this place would have a desire to know you more. I pray, God, that we, we, we don't expect you to come to us on our terms, but we, uh, we adhere to the thought that you want us to come to you on your terms. You loved us so much, Jesus, that you came and died on the cross. And you said, come to me.
You come to me. You agree with me. And I'll restore, I'll rescue, I'll bring salvation. Psalm 149 says, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. That's your song. That's your word. And his praise in the assembly of the saints. Let, let the church rejoice in their maker. Let the church rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise him. Praise his name with the dance. Let them, let them sing praises to him with the tambourine and the harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud in their beds. Let, them, let the high praises of God be in their mouth. And let them do it the way God had because they've got the two-edged two sword in their hand. <clears throat> Father, we just want to we want to learn. We want to grow. We want to progress. We give you permission. We say more, Lord. Let's say more, Lord. Say more, Lord. Yeah. Come on, Lord. Give us more. Oh, soften my heart, God. Give us more. Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.